0: My name is Terry, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to welcome you at home online. And I have to say, I have to confess sin. uh, You know, we're not supposed to covet anything of our neighbor, but right now, if you're sitting at home, I covet your coffee. Uh, Because we can't have any right here on the floor. Um, But you've joined us on a great Sunday as we start a brand new message series, and it's entitled Rerouting. Now, uh, we're going to talk in terms of the church rerouting, but to set this up, um, how many of you have ever driven in a car and you've got your GPS programmed in and you're heading to a location, and all of a sudden, you know, you pass where it wants you to turn, and it says, you know, rerouting, rerouting, recalculating. And it's really, really annoying if you have driven to a location, you just pumped it in, but you know where you're going, and you're like, no, 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 it wants me to turn this way, but I know that the, the right way is to go here. The faster way is to go here. Uh, oh, I remember I was driving sometime, and, and I knew the way that I ultimately wanted to go, but my GPS kept telling me, you know, reroute, reroute, reroute. And what i didn 't realize is there was a traffic jam up ahead, and it caught me in traffic for a long period of time. so sometimes it 's not a bad idea to reroute, and uh, that 's what we 're going to be talking about as a church um, because Prior to COVID, prior to this crazy world that we now live in, um, the church had plotted its course. I'm sure you're like me where you had your, your systems, you had your, your, um, the processes you go through on Sunday morning. You know, some of you, you get up, you have breakfast, you get in the car, you drive, you fight for a parking spot, you yell at the kids, you get out of the car, you say, "Now don't do that again. Hey, good morning, how are you? You know, you put your best face on, you come into church, you worship. We all have our routines. And then all of a sudden, COVID hit. And for some, it has felt really, really different. It's felt weird. But I think we've all realized that, um, whether you're watching at home right now, many of you, is we can still worship even though we're not necessarily in a building, even though our routines have been turned upside down, that we can still be the church in a different way. And we're going through this study because how does the church come through this? What does the church look on the other side of this? Do we go back to the way it always was? Or are there some differences that the church really, really needs to lean into to make us better? Well, Jesus Christ, we're going to jump into a story where Jesus Christ is talking to some religious leaders. And it's about the church. And it's about how the church functions. And Jesus himself is going to step, step up and he is going to call out some things that we all need to be aware of, that we have to be careful of falling into. And then we're gonna read in the book of Acts, for you type A's, we're gonna read what the original church, the first church looks like, and how we as the church need to look like moving forward. So let me set the scene right now. Back in biblical times, there were temples and synagogues, there were Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, and these religious leaders, they would be the ones Interpreting and reading the scrolls, the scripture to the people and teaching the people. And as they did, the people took what they said as coming from God. And so whatever they said, they knew, okay, I need to follow this. And so they had a lot of influence at that time in culture. And Jesus Christ is gonna walk into a teaching session. There are some Pharisees, Sadducees, they're reading the scrolls, they're going through it. And Jesus then is gonna to speak to everyone. And I want you to lean in To see exactly what Jesus says, this comes from Matthew chapter 23, verse 1 through 7. Take a look. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, The teachers of the religious law and Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. Now, if you're a Pharisee or Sadducee, all right, thank you, Jesus. Appreciate that. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. I'm feeling pretty good now, Jesus. Until Jesus says, But don't follow their example for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands. Never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues, they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. So during this time, here's what Jesus did. Jesus was bringing attention to how back then, how the church was going down the wrong path. You see, the, The religious leaders, they would wear, as they mentioned, they would wear those prayer boxes on their arms and on their foreheads. If you go to Israel today, you can actually see them wrapping the straps around their arms and have the prayer boxes. Those prayer boxes contain the, the commandments of God, what is most important to the scriptures. And it was meant to make sure it was close to their hearts because if they wore it on their foreheads and wore it on their arms, it was close to their person, close to their hearts. It was God reminding them that you are to embody the spirit of what this Says, And then you saw where Jesus said they wore extra long tassels. Those tassels are 613 laws that they were to follow. And now if you go to Israel, you can see many of the Jewish people, they have those tassels around their waist. They're, they're not ornate. They're not long. But the rabbis, the Jewish people, they would wear extra wide ones as if to say to everyone, I know God's commandments. Look, God's commandments are really close to me. And they'd wear the long tassels as if to say, hey, look, i I follow all of God's commands. I am special. I am important. And Jesus was coming in and saying, do as they say, don't do as they do. Now, here's where we come in as the church. Do you know that you're the priesthood of the believers? Do you know what that means? That means when it comes to spiritual action, when it comes to ministry, that many Christians think, well, that's the job of the pastor's. That's the job of the religious leaders. Well, that has changed. Yes, there are elders. Yes, there are spiritual teachers. But did you know that the church is responsible, that you are leaders, that every single one of us watching at home on the floor, you have a gift from God, and God calls all of us to be leaders in the church. So when we look at this message, we all need to put ourselves in the shoes of religious leaders. And I have a question for you. If Jesus were to come here today and were to look into your heart at home, here on the floor, in the balcony, would he look at everyone and say, hey, you see Terry? Yes, listen to what he says. But don't do what he does. Ouch. Let me illustrate this another way. I was down in Miami, Florida, and the Florida Marlins were playing God's team, the Chicago Cubs, in a game. And I was sitting on the front row. And as I was watching the game, they had uh, the umpire was sitting there making a call and a, a Marlin player was up and he threw the pitch and it struck the Marlin player out. It was a bad call. I even saw it. I was happy because it went for the Cubs. But all of a sudden, the guy behind me, he's a Marlins fan, he stands up and he goes... Blue, by the way, that's the umpire in baseball. Some of you are like, oh, I finally learned something in church. Yes, that's the blue and the umpire. But blue, that's a terrible call. Oh, blue, what are you doing? You're blind as a bat. Come on, blue, you're dumb, you're a bum. And he's standing behind me and he's saying all these things and I'm just sitting there going, oh gosh, oh, okay, okay, calm down. And, I, and he did that all game. And I turned around and his four-year-old was sitting next to him. So about the seventh or eighth inning, Another bad call goes against the Marlins. He stands up, and I was expecting to hear his voice loud yelling over me, and instead, here's what I heard. Hey, Blue, you bum, you bum. It was this four-year-old standing up yelling. I kid you not, here's what he did. The guy looks over. Shh, don't do that. Do as I say, not as I do. I think we live our lives like that sometimes. Dads, moms, How many times have we been caught doing that? Where we say, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus got up and he rebuked that type of behavior. In the moment, Jesus rebuked the way they dressed, the way they carried themselves, and the attention that they coveted. In other words, Jesus rebuked the outside because he could see their inside. And he knew that what they were portraying didn't match their heart. And while that message Jesus gave were thousands of years ago, it still applies to the church today. And instead of just speaking it to pastors, he's addressing all of us. And here's the thing that saddens my heart. We have that. That's been in scripture. That story has been in scripture since it was written a long time ago. And what is sad is this. If Jesus was very clear about what the church is not, then why do so many churches look just like that church? One of the things that saddened my heart when I came to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and this is not me picking on Ocean View at the time, but really a lot of churches, is when I was talking with the search team and, and I was saying, hey, what are some of the issues that the church faces? And one of the things that many of them said, Terry, cultural Christianity. Do you know what that is, cultural Christianity? Many of us, you know, if you were to ask, are you a Christian? Yes, 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 yes. By the way, in South Florida, I came from South Florida. And in South Florida, If you, the one thing I loved about South Florida, you walked up to someone, if you asked them if they're a Christian, if they weren't a Christian, they would have no problem saying, no, I'm not a Christian. In the South, especially in South Carolina, when I walk around and ask people, are they a Christian? Oh, yeah, absolutely, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Everybody seems to be a Christian, which is great. However, and I think everybody on the floor watching online, When I drive around the community and I look at certain individuals, it doesn't look like everybody's a Christian. And some of you in this room, you say, you know, if I were to ask you, I'm a Christian. Well, yes, my parents took me to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. Well, Terry, I've been to church 52 Sundays out of the year. Let me tell you something. This pew right here in the front row has been in this church for 52 Sundays this year. It doesn't make it a Christian. And that's the point that Jesus was making. Is you can wear the biggest prayer boxes to your head or to your forehead. You can wear the longest tassels that make it look like you are following God, but that does not necessarily reflect the attitude and posture of your heart. And then Jesus gave us a picture because His Holy Spirit comes down and the church, the way that God intended, begins to form. And I'm gonna show you what the original church was supposed to look like. And hopefully, most importantly, when we get through this pandemic, Our church will reflect the first church that much more. So we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If, If you don't know this passage, you need to memorize it. If you ever wonder what the church is supposed to be, this is a picture of the church. Acts 2, 42. All the believers devoted, and we're going to come back to that word, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to Prayer. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing that we have to do in order to be like the first church is we have to choose to get back to the basics. That's hard for some people. You have no idea when I've talked to some, when I've talked to individuals, when we've made change here at the church, the first thing that I hear from individuals who've been going to church, maybe this church for 40 or 50 years, that's not the way we've done it. I'm sure that the people sitting at the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus Christ stood up and said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Well, Jesus, that's not how we've done it. We don't show mercy to people like all people. So I'm sorry, I'm not listening. Just because you've done it all the time doesn't make it right. And so the first thing we all have to be in agreement of is we have to choose to get back to the basics. Now, what does that mean? Let me illustrate this because type A's are going crazy right now in the room. I don't know if you could see it, but there are construction cones on the stage and everybody's flipping out because I haven't talked about them. Well, now I'm gonna talk about them, okay? When I was younger, I remember I was just beginning to learn how to ride a bike. And as I did, these are heavy, by the way. And as I did, I went ahead and I set some cones out. And as I was trying to ride my bike, I also wanted to be, you know, really cool. And I wanted to be able to ride my bike between, you know, like obstacles. And so I got on my bike and I remember, you know, sitting, setting a line of cones up. And my goal was, is I was going to take my bike and I was going to in and around every single cone. So what I did was, which is case in point, I wanted to make sure that I looked at this first cone. So I looked at this first cone, and every time that I'd start my bike, I would go, I'd go, and I'd come around, and I'd I'd crash a few times. And then finally, I'd get my balance, and I'd make it around this first cone. And I'd go, yes, I made it. Oh, no, there's another cone crash. And I would do this three or four times, and I kept crashing. And then maybe I might make it over here, but then I would crash over here. And finally, someone a lot wiser than me said, Terry, do you want to know how you move through these obstacles? You have to keep your eyes on the last cone. You have to keep your eyes on the destination. And then look in your periphery and you'll see all the other cones lined up. And so I went ahead and I tried it. And I sat there and I tried moving through, keeping my eye on the last cone. I was able to navigate all the way through and make it to my final destination. Now, why would I share this illustration? Because I think the church has that final destination cone. And I think we find it in this passage of scripture. And the problem is, is that many churches have forgotten where their destination is. If you were to ask individuals in this community, why do you go to Ocean View Baptist Church? Why do you make that your church home? My hope and prayer is not that you say we have a great pastor. It makes me feel good, but I hope that's not the reason you tell people you come. I also hope you don't say we have great music. I also hope you don't say we have a great Bible study class. We have a great group. Because those are the answers of churches that don't know where they're going. My hope is is that you would know what the mission and the ultimate goal of our church is. It comes from the Great Commission and here it is. We are here and exist to help people follow Jesus. Unapologetically. Terry, why do you go to Ocean We help people follow Jesus. What do you love most about OshiView? My hope is that you'd say, we help people follow Jesus. Because if we all get this and all of us own this, then we show that we're a church with our eyes on the destination. Now, if you are a business leader, we call this vision. We call this a picture of where we want the church to be. If you're a business owner, you need to have a picture of what you want your business to be like. And at the end, someone's going to say, well, Terry, if we're going to be a church to help people follow Jesus, how do we do it? Well, we have a statement that tells us how we're going to do this. And I want you to pay really close attention. Three things. We are going to create environments where people are encouraged and equipped to pursue intimacy with God up, community with insiders in, and influence with outsiders. That's the way that we're going to get ultimately to this cone. So what does that look like? Remember I told you about my bike riding experience? Here's our destination. I just said we're going to do three things as a church. We're going to first, we're going to create intimacy with God. And I want to talk about it for just a second. The first thing that we're going to do is we are going to make it a priority to pursue intimacy with God. Now, if I were to ask you on a scale of 1 to 10, where is your relationship with Jesus Christ today? Scale of 1 to 10. If your answer is anything less than seven, you need to lean in and tune in. Because if you don't, you're like those religious leaders that Jesus says, do as they say, but don't do as they do. Does that make sense? And so if we're gonna be a church that creates and pursues intimacy with God, by the way, we need to be devoted. Devoted is Ami in the original language means primary. So here's what this means. Terry, I am going to go ahead and pursue intimacy with God because I know that the ultimate mission of the church, and we're the church and we're leaders, God's plan for all of us is to help people follow Jesus And in order to do that, I need to make sure that my relationship with Christ is in the right place. And because I want to help people follow Jesus, I'm going to pursue intimacy with God. How do we do this? There's two things I want you to do. And to ask yourself the question if you're doing, the first thing is, is if you are a brand new Christian, if you don't have a good foundation in scripture, if you've been a Christian for 20 years but have never read much scripture and you're too embarrassed to tell people, the first thing I want you to do is download our church app. And on that church app, and I'm going to line this up behind this, on that church app, you're going to see a study, a 21-day study on the book of John. Now, why, Terry, do you have me doing a study on the book of John? The book of John encapsulizes Jesus' life and his ministry, in my opinion, far better than any of the gospels. And so what I'd love for you to do is for you to be able to look at that study and for you to be able to walk through 21 days to get a foundation, which, by the way, if you spend time in God's word, you are spending time with God, which pursues intimacy with God, which ultimately helps you to help people follow Jesus. Then, for those of you that say, Terry, I've got a good foundation. You know, I need to spend more time with God. I want to encourage you to join us in the one-year Bible. The one-year Bible, you can find it on our church app. Every day, you can begin to read the scriptures. Now, let me pause and tell you why it's important for you to read through the Bible. I can't tell you one of the biggest frustrations for me as a pastor is this. is when we have well-meaning, wonderful people in the church that have strong biblical opinions without any biblical knowledge. It's really, really difficult to deal with someone who has a passionate biblical opinion that is not based on any biblical truth. All we end up doing is arguing and it never ends well. So what I want to encourage you to do is let's be a church that we're going to devote ourselves to understanding and knowing who God is. And the only way we can know who God is is if we actually know his word. And when we know his word, we will be more informed and we will be able to help people follow Jesus. Are you following the breadcrumbs? All right. So we want to pursue intimacy with God. Let's take a look and let's see what the early church also did. It says this all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and prayer. You look at this word, fellowship. That speaks to the importance of you and I in the church making sure that we build relationships with one another. And if we have strong relationships with one another, then we will be able to help people to follow Jesus. Now, how many of you have heard the word fellowship before? You've heard that word before? Fellowship, a lot of times in the church, if you're watching at home, we think of fellowship as getting together. And I always thought of that as getting together. But actually, do you know the original word for that is called koinonia? And koinonia does mean getting together in fellowship, but it has a deeper meaning. It means participation. I never want you to look at fellowship again without hearing the word in your mind, participation. Participation. So what this tells me is, as a pastor is, wait a minute, God, what that means is is that the early church, they got together, but they didn't just get together to hang out. They didn't just get together to sit at a table and have a meal and just talk about what happened in their lives. They participated in what you were doing in and through their lives, which meant that as they gathered, they purposely looked to pour into one another, pray for one another, help one another. And so Hanging out in the world is far different than fellowship. Fellowship is we have a purpose internally to come together. That when we see someone hurting, we don't just ignore them because we don't like them. Because I'm a brother or sister, I come up and say, how can I pray for you? Is there anything that I can do? There is participation among the leaders in the church, which then ultimately leads us to helping people follow Jesus. So how do we do this? I thank God for my neighborhood group. Last week, last week was a heavy week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to watch the message from last week. We talked about race relations and I was exhausted at the end of the day. It was a a very long day. And so then I got done and then Jennifer and I were talking. We had our neighborhood group that we had planned in the afternoon. And so I needed to go to Costco. I needed to set things up in the backyard. So by the time about four o'clock, right before my neighborhood group came over, we were gonna social distance in the backyard and have fun. I was exhausted. But let me tell you what happened at our group. We had a group meeting and instead of just fellowshipping, we participated. And the way that worked is we all sat for about 45 minutes. And here's the beauty of that group. We had individuals from South America, individuals from Central America, individuals from North America, and the individuals from different countries and different races, we sat around and we talked about this topic of the day. And we all learned insight from different cultures. And it made all of us better. We understood a lot more from not, not just a white perspective, a black perspective, but also a brown perspective. And at the end of it, we all walked away saying that was good. That's what it means to fellowship. That's what it means to participate. That we came together and we poured into one another. Ultimately, that makes us all better at helping people follow Jesus. Let's continue on and wrap this up. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, to the fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, here's the thing that's amazing. When we look at prayer and we define prayer as very simply as talking to God. Well, you have to understand the context of when this is happening. The Holy Spirit had descended upon the believers at this time. And so when they start talking about prayer... It's not just like our mentality, getting down by our bedside and saying our night prayers. It's not just about that. It's about being in tune with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Did you know that when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit? That's God in you. And what God in you wants to do is he wants to talk to you. So when you do life, he wants to be with you in the car. He wants to be with you at the grocery store. He tells me all the time that those gummy bears are not good for me, but I still get them, I, know, but I do, you know. I'm like Paul, I do what I don't want to do, I understand. But he wants to be with you, and he wants to communicate with you each and every day. So what it says is the believers gathered together, and then they were in tune to the Holy Spirit. They listened to the Holy Spirit. One of the things I think the church has done a terrible job with is listening to the Holy Spirit when it comes to looking outside of the church to the people that God loves but don't know who he is yet. And that is simply this. We need to look out and we need to build influence without Ciders. If you are not a believer, I'm so excited you're watching right now because our responsibility is to care enough about you to hear your story, care about you, and love you expecting nothing in return. Only for the purpose to show you that God has a plan for your life and we love you. And so when we talk about out, we also talk about the fact that living and reaching outside of ourselves is not a plan or a program. I want you to hear me. Building influence with others is not a program or a plan. It's a lifestyle. And so here at our church, you are going to be challenged consistently to listen to the Holy Spirit, be prayerful, and to build relationships with individuals that do not know who Christ is. So let me step on your toes really quick, watching at home, balcony on the floor who are the individuals in your circle that you're actively building relationship with that do not know Jesus? Who are they? Because if you're the church, don't miss this, if you go to sleep, sleep after this, watch this. If you are a church that says, I want to help people follow Jesus, how can you help people follow Jesus if you really are not investing in someone who doesn't know him? Ouch. Do you wanna know why churches are dying around this country? It's because they've lost focus on this cone and this cone over here, looking outside the church, is non-existent. If you wanna be a church that influences, you've gotta care about this cone. You've gotta invest in people who don't look like you, talk like you, say things like you. You've gotta be willing to get uncomfortable. And when you do, You hear who they are. You hear their story. And then ultimately, when crisis happens, when things happen, you can be there to be able to listen and hopefully pour in helping people follow Jesus. Do you know what happens when we become a church like this? And I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I see in many of our church, I see you do this every day. And I'm so proud of you. But when you do this, guess what happens? Take a look at what happened to the believers. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. If you're taking notes, write this down. We need to be a church that experiences God working in and through us. When you do that, you sense him. You have power to do things you never thought you could do. The sad thing is, there's a lot of churches that believe that the most connected to God that you feel is when you first accept him as Lord and Savior. God help us if that's our thought. God every day wants you to experience and have awe in what he can do in and through your life. And if you focus on what we're talking about, you will be in awe and experience God's plan. Have you ever got up in the morning and say, God, today I want to be mindful of someone on my path, and I just ask that you would help me to see, because you do it every day, help me to see somebody, put them in my path, that I can have a conversation with to encourage them or point them towards you. If you've ever done that, You not only see one person, you have countless interactions with people. And at the end of the day, you typically say, oh my gosh, it was amazing. God was right there. Oh God, forgive me for not praying that in the morning because it just shows how much I'm missing it. It's really important that we focus and experience all that God has. So I'm done and I have four questions for you. You ready? Question number one, does your behavior come close to matching your belief. And here's all I'm going to do. If you live here, and I don't care if you've been to church 50 years, but if your behavior doesn't match your beliefs, if you're really not acting like a Christian at home, only thing I'm going to ask you to do is match your belief. So if someone says, are you a Christian? And if you're honest, you don't live act or even have the faith of a christian then just be honest and say you know what the truth is right now i'm not living like a christian just be honest i think your kids would appreciate it it would be better for them It would be better for them. Parents, if you don't act like a Christian Monday through Saturday, it would be better for your kids to hear you say, right now I'm not acting like a Christian, than for you to sit there and be like the Pharisees and Sadducees with long tassels and boxes on your arms, sitting there and saying, I am a Christian. Meanwhile, the ones closest to you look and go, you know what? I'm not doing like you do because that doesn't match. Second question, can you honestly say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Be honest. I think, mate, my parent, if any of those statements start like that, then you don't know. And it's time to just be gut level honest. What good is it to sugarcoat and to hide? Nothing. Let's just be honest and call like it is. Terry, I hope. Well, if you're like that and you hope, we can tell you how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt and how you can start living a life to follow him. Maybe your step is today for the very first time to say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Number three, have you ever been been baptized? I love this one and I'm gonna step on your toes now because I've heard many individuals watching at home, yeah, I need to get baptized. Okay, when? Well, I I need to get my family. Okay, when? Well, you know what? It's cold. Okay, when? We can come up with all the excuses in the book, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, baptism is an outward symbol of an inward commitment. And my question to you is, why are you afraid to give an outward symbol of an inward commitment? That is a command that we are to do just that. And so I said it last service and I'll say it to this service. If you want to get baptized today, after church, I will head down to the beach, roll up my pants, and get in the water and baptize you. It's that important. And number four, what's your next step? Maybe it's the book of John. Maybe it's reading through the one-year Bible. Maybe it's joining a group. Maybe it's building influence with someone that doesn't look like you, talk like you, or think like you. But what is that next step? And will you be willing to walk out of here and say, I'm gonna take that step? Because I can tell you as a dad, it's really, really important for me to be known, not only in my home, but by my God as someone that not only says it, but lives it. So remember the words of Jesus. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. God, help us if we're a church like that. I'd love to see Jesus one day and have him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this message. Thank you, Father, for... Lord, the practical nature of it. And God, I just pray for individuals who are sitting and they're waiting to move. And God, you are, you, you launched the church as a movement, not a monument. The church was never meant to be stationary, it was meant to move. And so, God, forgive us when we get stationary. Help us, Lord, to move. Help us, God, to be the church. Help us, Father, to never forget our ultimate mission and goal, and that's to help people to follow Jesus. But, God, right now, I pray that you'd speak to the very step that everyone watching at home in the balcony on the floor needs to take. And I pray, God, that they would sense you speaking and that it would draw them close to you. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.